It's, uh, that is a blessing. Let's uh, take our Bibles here to Colossians chapter 3, and uh, we'll pick up here in the middle of the chapter, just continue uh, where we have been, Colossians chapter 3, and uh, you find your place. If you're able to stand with us, if you would do so, let's go to Colossians chapter 3. We'll start here at verse number 12. I, I don't take lightly your faithfulness, and uh, just so appreciate appreciate to you and just uh, being faithful uh, to the house of God. And, uh, and God blesses that. He blesses faithfulness. Uh, there, there's just something about being faithful that God, God will bless. Um, Colossians 3, I want to pick up here in verse number 12. And uh, it reads, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And uh, really, these, uh, uh, this, this passage of Scripture dealing uh, with relationships within, within a church is also dealing with... Um, you know, our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and so many principles here uh, that God gives us. And what we're going to, to speak about tonight is, is put on the clothes of Jesus, uh, put on the clothes of Jesus. And I, I believe God wants a Christian to be dressed well. And that's what we're going to speak about tonight, the dressing or the dress of a Christian. And uh, that's so crucial as we look at this uh, from, from the spiritual perspective tonight. You'll join me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. You pray tonight that God's way would be done here in this service. Father, I thank you. Uh, already you've been so good to us. Just been good to sing songs, uh, good to come and fellowship together. Thank you uh, for those that are here tonight, just uh, being here, being under the word of God. And every time we gather, Lord, we need to hear from heaven. I pray, God, that you would mold us to the image of Jesus Christ. And, and Lord, we, we understand, we realize, I, I, I know as a pastor, there's, there's nothing I can do. Uh, to make things exciting. Uh, it's got to be you. It's got to be your spirit uh, that draws. It's got to be your spirit that teaches us. It has to be your spirit that does the work in our heart. And we want to take time just to yield to your spirit. And, and Lord, uh, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. And may we hear tonight what you say to us, what you speak to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated here this evening. Uh, put on the clothes of the Lord Jesus Christ, put on Jesus Christ. And I believe uh, as, we, as we go through this, a Christian should, address, uh, would, should dress appropriately. And uh, this is spiritual speaking as we're looking at this, uh, this passage of Scripture. Uh, Colossians chapters 1 and 2, uh, we looked and we saw who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says you are complete in Him. And that's in Colossians chapter 2, verse number 10. Uh, that's the doctrinal section of the book of Colossians, and that's how Paul often uh, sent the letters to the churches. He would have a doctrinal portion and then the practical portion. And as we have seen, our doctrine should then affect our actions. And somebody said it this way, uh, what we know is only as good as what we do of what we know. 
and uh, that a, that's a good way to put it. Uh, you can know everything. Pride uh, comes, uh, knowledge puffeth up. Uh, knowledge alone will puff up, and uh, you know some may know a lot and have a lot of Bible knowledge or have a lot of uh, Bible background, and and that's good. We need to to have that, but. Uh, the lifestyle needs to be a reflection of the doctrine, and how you live should be a reflection of what you know and what you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we look at this tonight, simply we need to put on nice clothes. We need to put on that doctrine in action. And uh, God's word uh, begins really as a seed that's sown in the heart. And then that seed uh, grows out and works its way to the outward life. Uh, uh, that, uh, that seed then should give a reflection of Jesus Christ, ought to give a testimony, ought to make Christ beautiful to your family, beautiful to a lost world, uh, becomes a Bible uh, to a world. And sometimes you, you've heard it spoken. You're the only Bible that the world will ever read, uh, maybe. And uh, others are looking at your life. And uh, may what you wear in Christ be a reflection of the Lord in such a way that the Lord will be honored and would be glorified out of your life. Now, to do the right clothes, we've got to put off the old clothes. Before we can put on the clothes of Jesus Christ, we've got to put off the old filthy clothes. That's what we dealt with last week. Let's go back to verse number 9. And he says in verse number 9, mortify or, or put to death, mortician here. Uh, mortify, therefore, the members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. We're, we're talking here sexual impurities and base evil desires. So we're to put those things off. He says, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which you also walked in some time when you lived in them. This is your old life. That's who you used to be. But you've been saved out of that. And he says, put now you off all of these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. This is the work of sanctification. Now, at the point of salvation, we're justified. Uh, it's just as if I've never sinned. Or, but then the Lord begins a process of making us like Jesus Christ. And so to be like Christ... We put off that old man, and this is a constant daily affair. Paul said, I die daily, and uh, we have to put these things off on a regular basis. And then he says, put on the new, verse number 10. He says, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Do you notice that renewed in knowledge after the image of him? It's reflecting the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're to put on the clothes of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to look at tonight. What are we to put on? What are those clothes? Uh, really, as we look at this, this is, this is good stuff. This is, this is the practical part of the Christian life. Uh, this is where we get down to our daily affair. This is what makes Christ beautiful to a lost and dying world. This is what makes an impact on those around you, those that you work with, those in your own family. This is what makes the difference. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we do that? We put on the love of Christ. You'll see that in verses 12 through 14. And let's just pick this up just a section at a time. Verse 12. 
He says, put on, therefore, in other words, now that you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're complete in him. He said, as the elect of God, and this is always in reference to those who are saved. Uh, he says, holy, and uh, this means set apart. You're saved. You're now set apart for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, no longer uh, do you belong to the world. You now belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the testimony that's given. So holy, you're set apart and beloved. You're loved of God. You're loved by God. And uh, do you realize that uh, when we, if we know the Lord Jesus Christ and we have the old nature and we live in that old nature, it breaks the heart of God. Uh, it breaks the Lord's heart. It grieves God. It grieves the Holy Spirit of God. When God's children do not live a life that is a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so sin breaks. We're loved by the Lord. We're beloved of the Lord. And sin breaks his heart. Now, what is this love that we're to put on? Notice in verse number 12, he says, Holy beloved, bowels of mercies. It's tender fillings of compassion for each other. What the Lord expresses, and the Lord Jesus Christ is compassionate I think of um, John chapter 11. In John chapter 11, uh, we had an issue where um, uh, uh, Lazarus passed away. And Mary and Martha uh, met with, uh, with Lazarus, uh, or not met with Lazarus, but Mary and Martha were burdened for Lazarus. And Jesus uh, came uh, to the grave of, of Lazarus. And shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. I think it's a reflection of the tender compassions of the Lord. And uh, he, I believe, was weeping. He grieved for the family. Uh, he hurts when we hurt. And that's the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the tender mercies, the tender feelings of the Lord, the tender compassions of Christ. And he says, where to put on those bowels of mercies? Uh, that makes a person easy to live with. Uh, you have somebody that is tender and compassionate. They're easy to live with. They're enjoyable to be around. I think that was Daniel, an excellent spirit the Bible spoke of. Uh, you notice in verse number 21, and I think this, uh, it comes down into the home, and we won't deal with the home tonight, but he says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And uh, I believe uh, a father has to have that uh, proper balance, uh, of course, and in firmness and uh, discipline, and that's very important. And uh, but uh, being merciful, the tender mercies, and combining uh, truth and righteousness together, along with the mercies of the Lord, and and the Lord Jesus Christ so perfectly, beautifully balanced out truth and mercy, and they met together perfectly in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're to put on those bowels of mercies, those bowels of tender compassion towards one another. Uh, he mentions also in verse number 12, kindness. Uh, we find of love in 1 Corinthians 13, charity is kind. That's one of the definitions given of charity. Uh, it's kindness, being helpful to others. Ephesians 4.32 says, be ye kind one to another. Uh, several illustrations in the Bible, but I think of, of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was the, the son of, of, of Jonathan, and uh, David had made a vow or a commitment unto Jonathan. And David was kind to Mephibosheth on behalf of his uh, friend Jonathan. And uh, after the death of Saul, after the death of Jonathan, 
Uh, David brought Mephibosheth into his own house. He fed him at his table. He showed the kindness of the Lord, the grace of God unto him. And that's what the Bible is expressing. We're to put on that kindness, that, uh, that love of kindness in our life. Humbleness of mind there in verse number 12. That's the mind of Christ. And you'll notice all of these were reflected by the Lord Jesus Christ. Humbleness of mind. The mind of Christ is a mind of humility. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And that was the, uh, the humbleness, the humility of, of Christ Jesus. He, he's God. And yet he took off that, that robe of, of deity, so to speak, and took on human flesh and was made in the likeness of men. And not only a man, but he became a, a servant. He humbled himself unto that point of death. He was obedient to death. Uh, he thought of others. He put others first. That's humility of mind, humbleness of mind. That works well in a church, and that works well also in, uh, in a home, in a family. Uh, he mentions meekness, uh, similar uh, to that humility, but uh, meekness would be power under control. Whenever I read the word meekness, I, I think uh, my, Moses in the Bible was the meekest man upon the earth. The Bible describes him. Uh, but I think of a horse. I think of a horse that has a lot of power. And uh, a horse weighs much more than the average human. Uh, a horse uh, would be able to uh, throw that human off of his back. But a horse that is trained well, a horse under control, it's that power under control. It's that power put in a direction of usefulness. And you find uh, about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he had all power, had power above all others. And yet during his earthly ministry, he never used that power in destruction or to destroy people. Now, one day, he's going to come as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and his power on that day will be on display when Jesus comes back. But when we think of, of meekness, that power under control, that would be the Lord Jesus Christ. He could have called legions of angels, but he went to the cross and he died. He could have spoke the word and destroyed the world with one word by his power, and those that crucified him he could have destroyed them immediately and and yet the lord in meekness uh, suffered on the cross that brings us to the next thought there uh, in verse number 12 and that is long suffering that means long tempered you've heard the word short tempered he's, he's short tempered he gets angry easily and uh, this is speaking of of keeping that anger under control being long suffering to others Aren't you God, are glad that the Lord is long-suffering to usward? He's long-suffering to you. He's not willing that any should perish. If the Lord gave us what we deserved, if the Lord wasn't patient with us, every one of us would have been destroyed in a moment of time. And he's telling us, as the Lord has been patient with us, we need to be patient one with another. He goes on in verse number 13, forbearing one another. It means putting up with each other. Uh, is there anybody that, uh, that you have to just put up with? Okay. And uh, sometimes there are people you don't necessarily enjoy being around. And uh, you have to put up with that. Uh, some people that look different. And, you know, you're, some are harder to, uh, to be around. Sometimes people have a bad day. Do you ever have a bad day? 
Do you ever have a day when you were hard to be around? And uh, you need to think about uh, one another in that. You can be an encourager. And when I read these things, I've often mentioned that we need to be a thermostat, not a thermometer, but a thermostat. See, a thermostat changes the temperature. A thermometer registers the temperature. And what he's talking about here is a a Christian can be that thermostat that uh, raises the temperature, raises the, uh, really raises the joy of a room, raises the peace of God in a room, ought to make a difference uh, with your simple presence there, forbearing one another. And then, uh, boy, we really get down to the nitty-gritty here in verse 13, forgiving one another. Uh, How many of you have needed to be forgiven in the past? Every single one of you. And all of us need to forgive at times. This is such a crucial aspect. Uh, The Bible speaks of the forgiveness of Christ. If you're saved, you have been forgiven much. And in Matthew chapter 18, the latter part of that chapter speaks of the severe consequences for unforgiveness. Uh, You know, there's nothing that will destroy a, a Christian Uh, quicker than that bitterness and unforgiveness. And if any man have a a quarrel against any, he says, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. Uh, That word quarrel is simply a complaint. You have a complaint against somebody. Somebody failed you. Somebody let you down. may even be justified in this. But, you know, he's talking about a, a, a Christian. He's talking about a church, and it's so important. And people are going to fail you. People are going to let you down. You're going to fail people, and uh, they're going to let you down. You're going to let them down. Uh, in the home, husbands and wives, they're, they're going to fail, and uh, children will fail at times, and, and uh, parents are going to fail and falter at times. And, you know, we live in really, I call it a snowflake society today, and uh, just in that snowflake society, it's so easy uh, to, to, if we're not careful, to develop this attitude of the world around us, and it's an attitude of bitterness. And we need to always be reminded, what did Jesus do for you? How deep has been his forgiveness? Uh, if we contemplate that, oh, how deep the forgiveness of the Lord is for us. It's not that we earned it or deserved it. He's forgiven us so much uh, that it won't hurt us to forgive somebody else who hasn't hurt us to the same level. Uh, Never should we retaliate. Never should we seek to destroy another. He says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Now, he wraps that thought. We're talking about put on love uh, or the love of Christ. And all of this is put together, verse 14. He says, above all these things. See, love ties all of the above together. He says, above all of these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. See, this ties it all together. This puts it together and, uh, and just makes it all possible. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. All of these things above that we've, we've talked about, it's contrary to your flesh. It's the opposite of our old nature. It's not who we are by nature. Uh, It's impossible for the flesh to accomplish. We've said this as we've been going through the, uh, the book of Colossians. The Christian life is impossible for you to live. You can't live it. Uh, It has to be the Lord Jesus Christ that lives it through you. When we fall in love with the Lord Jesus, 
His love works its way through us to others. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. We're to put on the love of Christ. That's part of the garments that we are to partake of. Put off the old man. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. Put on the new man, the love of Christ. And we move on. Look in verse number uh, 15. Uh, We also put on the peace of God. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called in one body, and be thankful. Now, like love, peace is the fruit of the Spirit. Peace is not something that uh, you can produce in your own heart. You can't produce biblical peace in your heart, not the peace of the Bible. Uh, Something God's Spirit has to produce within you. When the, the peace of God rules in your heart, you can have peace in the midst of the storm. When the peace of God rules, you can be like the Lord Jesus Christ. He was on the boat in the storm, and he was fast asleep. Uh, And that's what the Lord designs. Uh, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Uh, When the Bible speaks about ruling, it's talking about controlling or guiding your life. He's he's saying, let peace guide you. Uh, We can have God's peace when we're in the will of the Lord. Uh, See, a, a preacher went through many, many different things, many different accusations, and he was, he was expressing to me, uh, just in going through some of those things, the peace, how God's peace just was there. He knew that the Lord was in control in his life and uh, had the peace of God in the midst of the storms. That's what the Lord wants you to have. See, when there's not peace in the heart, there's something wrong. Okay, if your heart's not at peace, there's something that needs to be dealt with. Uh, if, if there's sin in the heart, God will deal with the peace. And, and God will, there's turmoil in the heart. If there's turmoil in the home, there's something wrong. There ought to be peace. When peace rules in each heart, peace is going to rule in the home. And peace ought to rule in, in the church. Uh, you see, God's peace is always in accord with the word of God. God will never lead you contrary to God's word. Now, we, we mentioned Jesus Christ. He was aboard a boat in the midst of the storm, and he was fast asleep. And that's the testimony of, of peace. He, he was at perfect peace. But you remember another man named Jonah? And uh, Jonah was aboard a boat. He was not in the will of God, yet he was asleep on the boat. And his was a, a false peace. And it's not a peace that God wants to give. It was a peace contrary to the word of God. Maybe you've heard people say, and, and you can see it, uh, you know, it, it must be God's will. I have peace. But it's so evident that the direction they're going is contrary to the word of God. And that's a false peace. And see, God will never lead you contrary to his word. Never will. You can't have peace. You, you're going to fight against the Lord. Uh, if you're out of the will of God, you're fighting against the Lord. No matter how much you try to convince yourself that you're in the will of God, if you're out of the word of God, and you're not following the principles of God's word. You're fighting against God. Okay, You're in, in rebellion. You're in enmity with the Lord. The peace of God is not going to rule in your heart. Now, there's some things in your life that will still peace. If, if you are living in sin or there's sin in your life, uh, you're not going to have peace. If, if you're being foolish and unrash and unbiblical in decisions, you're not going to have peace. 
If you're not practicing the love of God and uh, the forgiveness of the Lord and uh, you allow bitterness, Matthew chapter 18 uh, told us that uh, that would be a tormentor that would come in and destroy you. You're not going to have peace. If there's ungratefulness, he mentions in verse 15, he says, Now let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. If you're ungrateful, you're not going to have peace. There won't be peace. So we need to allow God's Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, to put on love and to put on peace. These are two of the garments that the Lord tells us to put on. Verse 16, there's a third garment that we're to put on. We're to put on the Word of God. In verse 16, let the Word of Christ, or the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So put on the Word of God. God's Word is so very crucial in our lives. We talked about that in the Sunday school hour. Uh, take your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And uh, you'll see this, this thought of the importance of God's Word. In 1 Peter chapter 1, he, he tells us how, how we're born again. Verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible by the Word of God which liveth and abideth forever for all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and guile, hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings as newborn babes, Desire the sincere milk of the word, and that you may grow thereby, so that you, uh, so uh, if so be that you have tasted, the Lord is gracious. And so he's again telling us this principle, put off the old man, put on the new man, and putting on the new man, put on the word of God. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom. God's word will change you. Uh, but when he says to dwell there, let God's word live in your heart. Let it be something that you memorize. Let it be something that you meditate upon. Let it be something that you, that you go to bed with. Uh, there's, there's some, I'll be preaching this, uh, uh, Lord willing, on, on Sunday morning. Uh, just uh, the other, other night, uh, I went to bed uh, with a thought from God's word. And woke up that next morning, and uh, that thought from God's word, oh, it was so precious. Just, uh, you know, I had a, a question as I went to bed, and the next morning I woke up, and that answer is there in my heart. And, and that was such a, such a blessing. When, when he talks about the word of God dwelling, uh, that, that transforms our life. And we live in a dog-eat-dog world. You need the word of God wherever you go. Uh, put it, uh, it, it'll clear your mind. It, it'll, it'll just make you... Uh, pure. Remember Brother Carl, he uh, often when he preaches, he'll just quote uh, scripture. And he shared with me, and I think he may have shared with us publicly, that when he got saved, his mind was so messed up that the only way he could uh, fix it was to read 100 chapters of the Bible every day. And the Word of God transformed his, his life. That's what he's talking about. Let the Word of God dwell. Let it live in your heart. Uh, not, not talking about learning that we might know. That's good to have knowledge, but we learn that we might do. We, we put it into action. That's letting it dwell with us, letting it transform us and mold us. Now, notice verse 16 in connection to the Word of God. Uh, teaching and admonishing one another in songs, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. It's a definite relationship between God's Word 
and good music or the right kind of music. Now, of course, uh, singing the word of God, that's, that's wonderful. Uh, to sing the songs or to sing the word of God. Uh, singing doctrinal songs, uh, the old hymns, aren't they precious? You read some of those Fanny Crosby songs. They're so doctrinally uh, pure. A lot of people don't know enough of the word of God to know when a song is off base and uh, the doctrine of the word of God and how important it is. These songs, these old hymnals, they're biblical. And uh, so much of, of modern music and what I would call the Hillsong music and the feel-good and emotional music, it's often very unbiblical and very contrary to the things of, of God's word. Good music should uphold the word of God. And he mentions here specifically the Psalms, the Old Testament scriptures, hymns. Those are songs of, of praise written by believers. They're there's a proper melody in a hymn and in proper order. The spiritual songs, they're expressions of, of Bible truths. And uh, I would encourage you in your homes, get a psalm book. Uh, sing songs in your home. Uh, sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. And uh, have a psalm book. Let that be a part of your home, a part of your family devotions. And, and uh, if you have somebody who can play a piano, there was what a, a fond memory growing up, my mom playing the piano and singing songs uh, around the piano. What a, what a great memory. And I would encourage you to put songs, spiritual songs, into your home, singing unto the Lord. So put the word of God. Put it on. Put on love. Put on peace. Put on the word of God. Verse 17, this is important. Put on the name of Christ. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Whatever you do, uh, word, that's what you say. Whatever you do, deed, that's what you do. Whatever you do in word or, do, or deed, do all in his name, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, that means do it, do it for his glory. Do it to please him. Do it to honor him. You ought to ask yourself, is this honoring to the Lord Jesus Christ? Does this make Jesus look good? That ought to be our desire. Uh, see, it's a privilege to bear the name of Jesus. Uh, an honor to be able to state, I'm a Christian. I'm a little Christ. I belong to Jesus. I still remember, and to this day, I, I am honored to bear the name of my parents, uh, honored to bear the name of my grandparents and my great-grandparents, and had the privilege of knowing them and the community, and they had respect that they had earned, and I'm honored to wear that name, that family name. It means something, honored by that name. But you know the name of Jesus is even more special. That's the special name that all of us can bear and all of us can wear if we know the Lord Jesus. And we ought to wear his name uh, that you might never be a reproach to his name. We bear the name of Jesus and we ought to bear it with honor, with dignity. We ought to bear it to glorify his name. We ought to bear it as Jesus did he says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And you'll find throughout the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, his desire was to honor his father. And that's why the father would speak from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He honored the name of Jesus. And we know, of course, as uh, we go to the book of Acts, that it was in the name of Jesus that the man was healed. 
And it was by the power of that name. And it's through that name that we're saved. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none of the name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. His is the name above all names. It's the name before which every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, if we know the Lord, we bear that name. and We're to honor that name. And never should we want to reproach that name. And we ought to be grateful for that very precious, wonderful name of Jesus. Notice again, verse 17. He says, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. But notice this, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Be grateful for that precious, precious name of Jesus. You're saved here, here tonight. The Lord humbled himself for you and for your salvation. And he gave everything that you might be set free. And now your desire should be to honor that name. Put on Jesus. We need that in our homes, don't we? We need that in our church. Put on the Lord Jesus. We need that in our personal life. What is it to put on Jesus? We put off the old clothes. We mortify that's our old flesh. That's the old nature. That's who we were. Uh, that's that anger. That's that clamor. That's that evil speaking. That's that bitterness. That's that unforgiveness. That's that grudge deep within. That's the old man. That's who we were. He said, put that off. Put that to death. Let the word of Christ, his love, his peace, his word, his name uh, dwell with you richly and honor that name of Jesus. Put on the new man. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's uh, an admonition for all of us. Now, we're going to take in, in the future, we'll make application into the home uh, with that clothing of Jesus Christ. And how do we do that in the home and then at the workplace? And uh, that's how he carries it. This is the practical portion of the book of Colossians. This is putting doctrine into action in our lives. Uh, with that thought, let's go to the Lord.